Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here tonight. We thank you for the songs and the praise, and we ask that you would continue, uh, continue our worship through your grace, through your mercy, and through your love. Shower your spirit upon us in a special way. If our minds are wandering, Father, we ask that you would still them, you would calm them, and you would bring us into your presence. Humble us, Father, to come before you as a broken people in a broken world whose love is made complete through you and for you, Father. We ask you to bless this time, anoint it, and bring all of us not only into your presence, but into the joy and peace that can only be found through you, Father. We ask you to continue to encourage us, uplift us, convict us whenever we need it. Bless your ministers tonight, from the praise and worship team, to Chris and everybody else that is involved to make this time worshipful, make it centered on you, and bless the time afterwards as we fellowship in Christ, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We know that it is a blessing, and there is no way we could understand your word without your spirit showering upon us, Father. So we ask your spirit to fall fresh on us. Give us a clean heart, clear eyes, and open ears to hear you, to be in your presence, and to know your love more and more and abound in it in each and every moment, Father. We lift these things up to you in your son, Jesus Christ, holy and precious name we pray. Amen. And then Jess will be reading our scripture. It's Acts 22, verses 24 to 30. Acts 22, 24 to 30. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, verse 24, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and an uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. Father, help us to hear your word. If it is true, which we believe that you are sovereign, you chose us to be here tonight for this text, a text that we might be tempted to read by and just think nonchalantly about it. What's all this talk of citizenship and stuff like that and politics and persecution and how does this really even relate to us here 2022? We're not in Rome. We're not worried about getting flogged tonight. But the word of God is living and active and it is sharp and all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable. So I believe with all my heart, you have a word for my brothers and sisters, myself included tonight. So speak to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to say a fragrance and you tell me if it repels you or compels you. Yeah. Pushes you away or draws you in. All right. Um, lavender. If that repels you, raise your hand. Oh, yeah, it does to me a little bit. 
little strong lavender, okay? Uh, so the rest of you, lavender compels you? You like lavender? Oh, yeah, how about this one? Um, um, farm smell, farm fragrance. Who loves that? Who's compelled by farm of a country boys out of Big Island guys? Plus couple us townies. Um, for real, I, I, was, I was just raising my hand as an example. I, I would, I'd say I'm like this. You guys like the barn smell? Oh, wow. Okay, so the rest of us, that's a repellent? That's a repellent? Oh, okay. Um, who's who's uh, compelled by the ocean smell? Ocean spray. Isn't that the best? I love the ocean spray. I love ocean spray smell after, like, after you pow with the beach, after you in shower, right? And get into the truck and get into your car. Okay, some of, see, some people are like, mm, mm, no, nah, I need extra soap, extra soap. Um, barbecue chicken. Compelling? Repelling. Who's repelled by barbecue chicken? Nobody. Praise be to God. Okay, how about this one? I'm kind of curious about this one. Who's compelled, drawn by gasoline smell? <laughs> that's so funny that's like the rest of us repelled by gasoline the smell of gasoline's like ah, i could do without it it has a strange enjoyable smell yeah sometimes gasoline now guys not gas like gasoline like gas station 76 i mean I, we, yeah we don't smell it but it's like okay anyway for those of us who understand i'm a little bit there too i kind of like the smell of gasoline sometimes um how about fresh baked cookies yeah, look at that. Look at that. Okay, well, here's the thing about which is which is interesting. I love um, aromas, fragrances. They typically do one of two things, and everyone's different with every with a, with with certain aromas. You notice that? Like, I was intrigued that there was actually more than five people who rose their hand for the gasoline. Like, I kind of like that. And then the rest of us was like, you was judging them, right? Like, oh, you know, like why would you smell gasoline? But that's the thing about fragrance. It's interesting. Um, it either repels. It's either like, oh, or it's super compelling. When you catch a, a whiff of, an, of a sweet aroma or a fragrance that to you, it smells good. Like you just be like, oh. But isn't it interesting that everyone takes to the particular aroma differently? Isn't that interesting? You see, all through the book of Acts, Paul in his life, in his Christianity, he's been, we've, we've seen him described as many things. An ambassador, right? We saw that not too long ago, ambassador in chains. Citizens of the kingdom of God. Salt. Paul and the Christians were described as salt or light. You know, it's an, another fascinating way that the witness, the child of God is described. Is an aroma. Is a fragrance. Let me tell you what I got that from. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16, it says, For we are all of these things, salt, light, citizenship, witness, it's all you are, not we try for be, or we are like. No, you are this. Paul says we, believers in Christ, are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And then he he defines it a little bit later in 16. He says, to one, a fragrance of death. Earlier in our episode, to the Jewish mob, Paul stank. He smelled like death. Don't tell me I'm in sin. Don't tell me Jesus is Lord. Don't tell me you're from God. 
Ugh. Paul's life smelt stinky to the Jews. And then Paul says, but to the other, a fragrance from life to life. For those of you who are walking with the Lord right now, can you rewind the tape in your life and think back to the days when you weren't really, when you, you didn't know the Lord Jesus, you didn't, you didn't care to know the Lord Jesus, and then there were these strange people that got put around you. And it was the things they said, the things they did, the way that their attitudes were in the hardest moments of their life that either repelled you to Jesus, from Jesus, or it did the opposite. It compelled you. I want that. What's that about? I need to know what's making him or her tick. Why is he smiling? Why is she smiling? Why is she, They got to be faking it. No, it doesn't look like they're faking it. They got to be just playing religion. No, it doesn't seem like it. You ever, you, you, can, you, can you recall certain individuals that God placed around you? That there was something about their life, who they were and how they lived for Christ, that you just couldn't get out of your head. You know what I'm talking about? You see, Paul, when he speaks of this word fragrance and aroma, I love it because I think he embodies it. All through from Acts 9 to 22, we see about this man. He was either people just repel they, they, to the Jewish religious self-righteous person. No, death. But to the Gentile, the, un, the unchurched, the seeker, the God fear, there was something about Paul or even just a straight up like a tribune like Claudius. There's just something about Paul that is so intriguing. We're going to see that tonight. So I just want to, as we walk through this, I, I, I love that the Bible describes who we are in many different ways. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be shining stars, Philippians chapter 2. Um, but we are also to be the aroma of Christ. And I just have a question. Does your life stink? Or does it smell sweet? Like, think about that. To those who are being saved, to those whom God is calling effectually, if they were around you, would you produce this salivating, soul-seeking, like, who is God? Who is Christ? Tell me about your Jesus. When's the last time someone's inquired of, your, of you, of the things of heaven or God, on account of your life? When's the last time that's happened, Christian? That's the heart question, devotional thought I want to kind of just throw at all of us tonight. I have the title titled as Compelling Christianity because I guarantee for those of us who've been studying through the book of Acts, there's something about Paul, the apostles, the disciples, the church, all through this book that we can't, it's, it's undeniable that this covenant community, there's something so compelling about it. There was something so peculiarly strange, they were so holy and so different that people looking in or people who cross paths, they had to turn their head twice. Are you a head turner? Do you make hearts wonder? Or are we not the aroma of Christ? Things to think on as we walk through this text. I want to argue tonight that if you are the aroma of Christ, you are going to be a sweet smell to the soul. Not just people's senses now. 
not, 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 I'm not trying, I'm not talking about like, oh, people like me. Yeah, I'm not repelling. Everybody like crews with me. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being likable. You are the aroma of Christ. Your life causes that soul to want to know more. That's what we're looking for. Because I believe, and I'm going to argue that in this text, we don't know what happens to Claudius after this, but I hope to show us that as, as Claudius, that's the name of the tribune, as he interacts and just watches Paul, and the things Paul does, it causes him to go from seeking to really, like, really wanting to know what's this all about. I don't know if Claudius becomes a Christian, but I know this, brought us curious. And I think it's because Paul's Christianity was legit. Let's pick it up. Verse 24 to 30. So Jessa read earlier, and I'm glad she did that, but verse 22 to 23, that was two weeks ago, right? Paul was trying to give the address as to who he is and what he's doing and why he did what he did with taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And up until that word, they listened to him, and then they raised their voices, and they said, get this guy out of here. He doesn't deserve to live. He should not be allowed to live. Verse 23, and they were shouting, throwing off their cloaks, fleeing dust into the air. And so we're going to leave looking at the Jews. They were obviously repelled. Now we're going to give our attention to the tribune. But I want to keep our attention mainly on Paul. And how he, his attitude, his response, his reaction in the heat of all this fire. Because I'm telling you, brothers, sisters, friends, listen. What we're about to read, this is the aroma of Christ. College students, this is what you ought to aspire to be. To live like this in the midst of a world of darkness. So it says this, verse 24, the tribune ordered him. Tribune, that's Claudius. He's the leader, the Roman tribune. He ordered him to be brought back to the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. Okay, so he's trying to keep the peace. He's the big police officer. If the town gets all kapakai and chaotic, he's going to get in trouble. So he, he needs to figure out, okay, what's going on here? Um, he gets Paul out of the mob. And he, Paul's like on the stairs. Can I, can you, can I let, can you let me talk to them? Paul tries. They break out again. It's about to ride again. So he says, okay, get him in the back. And this is how Roman officers typically try to extract information. They, their, their, their government system is brutal. You take him to the back, lick him. Lick him until he tells us what's, what's, what's real, what's good. He tells him to get to the back to be examined by flogging now for those of us who don't know what flogging is or maybe you haven't heard it before flogging is it's this way of roman examination where they take leather leather whips has a wooden rod multiple whips hanging and at the end of those whips they tie bone and metal and they lash and lash and lash it literally rips the flesh off your body that's flogging it's not a stick where you get spanked it's like this where you get shredded that's what he's saying. So you got to imagine now, Paul, imagine you being taken to back. You're going to flog him. Rip his back to shreds. I, my heart's pumping just thinking about it. And this is Paul there live. Why, though? Look at this. I just want to note this. We'll come back to it later. But this is because the tribune, this is one way to do it. But he doesn't need to do these things, guys. I mean, as long as he keeps, the, as long as they're not fighting and whatever, he, he could, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's just, I just do away with him. Just get rid of him. But what does he say? He says, I want to find out why. Epignosco. I want to understand. What's going on here? I cannot speak Aramaic. And they're making a they're giving this guy a hard time. And he's not that Egyptian prophet that I, I pressed him on. He's not he's not the false prophet. I'm what did what did Paul do wrong? Put yourself in the tribune's shoes. You're seeing a guy, you don't know really anything about him, but all his countrymen hate him really passionately. And so you're thinking, this guy has had to do something really bad. And I don't know. But I'm a Roman. It's not really my business. That's all Jewish stuff. I would say other Roman officers probably wouldn't even really care. But, you know, this, this, this particular authority is like, you know, I'm kind of curious. Let's flog him and find out what they're all shouting at him like, why they're doing this. Now, first thing I want to point out in our first point is that government authorities aren't flawless. But they are from God. Because we can look at this story right now and just think of the tribune or Claudius or Rome being such the bad guys and they suck. And, you know, yeah, they, I mean, they knew Paul spoke Greek. He could have just asked him, right? Hey, bro, um, okay, stop talking Aramaic, talk Greek again. What's all that about? But he decides now, let's just, let's just let's flog him and we'll get the truth out for sure. But I want to pause on this really quick and I want to let you guys know because all government authorities are not flawless from Rome to now. But we have to understand this because I want us to get into the mind of Paul in that in this moment, I don't think he looks at Claudius as the enemy or the bad guy. And I don't think that it doesn't appear like he's trying to be unsubmissive at all, which is, I think the beginning of him starting to send that fragrance out. So government authorities, they're not flawless, but they are from God. How do I know that Paul is thinking this? He wrote it in Romans 13. He says this. This is how Paul understands government guys. John came last week and told us how Paul prays for government. Look at what he says. Romans 13, 1 through 5. I'll read it. You can turn it if you want. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. He's not yelling at the tribune. He's not saying, they lie. Flog them. No, 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 don't do it. I don't deserve that. He didn't do that. He almost, it almost seems like he's just ready to accept it. For there's no authority except from God. You see that? Is Rome a good government? No, they're, flaw, they're not flawless. They're, they're full of corruption. But Paul understands this. It's from God. And those that exist have been ins instituted by God. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So this is what Claudius is supposed to be doing. And he's trying his best. He could do better, but he's doing his best. He's trying to punish the real the, the person who who's, should be punished right now. He's trying to get to the, he wants to find out, what, okay, who's, who's the bad guy here? What's the problem here? Verse 4, he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. 
for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now, does this mean that, th that Rome was right and flawless in how they dealt with this case every single time? Absolutely not. Why? Because we're in a fallen world. But we need to understand this. If you want to shine in this world, if we want to shine under a government system on the planet that may be flawed, in which every government under, other than the kingdom of God will be flawed, if we're going to shine, guys, we need to first understand this, this truth. That it is of God. God put them there. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect every time. But we need to understand this. God gave them that, that, that authority. Jesus knows this. He believes this. This is why even when Pilate did command him to be flogged, and Jesus was flogged. Do you remember that? At the crucifixion, or on the way to the crucifixion, John 19, it says, Jesus was flogged. Pilate said, flog him. And then they twisted crown of thorns. They pressed it on his brow. So Jesus' back was hash. He had thorns on his brow. And then Pilate said, behold the man. And when the chief priests answered him, or he said, what, what should I do? They said, crucify him. And then he says, I don't see anything wrong. See, he's trying to make sure he's doing the right thing. He's not doing the best job. He flogged them. He, he let thorns get pressed on his brow. But it's interesting. He then brings Jesus to the back, and he has this little chit-chat with Jesus while he's bleeding out, suffering. He says to Jesus, so Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And then here's, here's what Jesus says. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you is the greater sin. See, Jesus understands this. We're under, we could be under a flawed government. But God is greater than that government. But actually, we have to understand this, that God put that government there. So when Paul found himself in pressing hard circumstances that he did not like, the first thing that helped him know how to shine is they ain't the enemy. Claudius isn't the problem. You better believe that while Claudius was saying, flog him, I guarantee Paul was praying for him. Can you imagine this, that while Paul was being brought to the back that the church was praying for Paul and the government that was the Roman officers. Can you imagine that? I think that's what was happening. I think that's why he writes things in first Timothy chapter two, where he says, first of all, pray and pray for Kings and all who are in high positions. Do you believe? Because right now, in the story, does ministry or does, does, um, are the accusations false against Paul? Yes. Is Paul unjustly bound? Yes. Do things appear to be falling apart? Yes. Does it look, does it look like ministry in Jerusalem is going good right now? No. So what? What's your conclusion? Is God tripping? Is he out of control? No. Does God not know what he's doing? 
Never. Paul is very keen and very calm because he knows God is in total control of this. I knew this was coming. The Spirit told me that I was going to suffer and be bound. And I'm ready to go to even to the point of death. We want to know how a guy like this carries himself in such hard circumstances. Because he's sending off fragrance, guys. The tribune, we're going to see later, as he uncovers more about this guy, he's never going to forget this case in his life. He's never had a criminal or a prisoner like this in his life. But what makes Paul so aroma like Jesus? First is his understanding. God's in control. Government authorities are flaw, aren't flawless, but they are from God, and God's got this. Do you believe that, Christian? When circumstances in your life seem to go from bad to worse, know this, child of God. You're upset about work, or you're upset about whatever condition and circumstance you're in right now, whatever authorities you're under that's just perverted or messed up. Understand this, child of God. God is in control. Know that. How do we know that? How does Paul know that? He says it here in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how we ought to pray. In weakness, Paul didn't know how this was going to turn out. He didn't know if he was going to get flogged and die. He didn't know if he was going to, he didn't know how this, what, what was about to happen just next. But what did Paul know? Verse 28. We know this, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, you're not going to shine. You know how you'll react? You'll yell. You'll get mad. You'll throw a tantrum. You'll blame, blame, blame. You'll be upset with God. You will get salty. Paul does not look upset at all in this. He doesn't lash out at the tribune. Paul is beaten, bound, rejected twice, carried away to be flogged. And you know what makes him so? God is in control. We have to understand this. Now let's see now what happens as the narrative moves on. I'm thinking, wow, Paul, you're very composed, but look at what happens. And I think this stuns Claudius. Verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, they made his body taut. Why would they do that? So that the flogging hurts more. They taut the body so every whip lashes more blood comes out. It's like stretching you so you can, it hurts more. This is intense. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It is chilling. But then Paul said, not screamed, not freaking out. He said to the centurion who was standing by him, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is, and here's the moment, a Roman citizen and uncondemned? That was a drop mic moment. They were just about to flog him. Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? This man's a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, okay, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. You could take that statement at face value because if you lie about that in these days, you're immediately put to death. 
but they could go ahead and do the investigation. They can look up the records in Tarsus. And maybe they did that. Verse 28 says the tribune answered, okay, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. I don't know exactly how he's saying that. Maybe he's saying it sarcastically. He's like, okay, you're a citizen. I spent choke for mines. How are you to afford this? Maybe he said it with that attitude. Or maybe he said, really? You're a Roman citizen? Oh my gosh. Like my citizenship costs so much. Maybe he's counting the cost of what he just lost, almost lost. Maybe it's a mixture of both. But what we see in the text is he says, wow, he got his citizenship by bribery. But Paul says, I got mine by birth. So in this moment, understand this, he's being arrested falsely, about to be beaten falsely. And Paul actually is in greater standing in the guy that's about to flog him. Understand this. What's going on politically right now? Paul could sue this guy hardcore. He could ruin Claudius's life. He could ruin his life, his military rank. He could take out all his officers. If he wanted to take this to the magistrates in the top, he could get this guy in trouble. And that's why someone asked the question observation. They withdrew immediately. And the tribune was afraid. For he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Second point. Paul is using his earthly status to carry out his heavenly call. Paul used his earthly status, his Roman citizenship, to carry out his heavenly calling. He is a citizen of heaven. Paul is focused. He's king. And now he's going to shine. You better believe this, that in Paul's mind, he's not thinking, I got you. I'm going to sue you now because you guys going to get it. He's not thinking like that. He's not interested in suing them. He's interested in saving them. Because you know what we don't hear after this? Is Paul doing any of that? Can you imagine what's going on in Claudius's mind right now? I was, I almost, I could have lost my life. And then you say, did you not realize I'm a citizen? <gasps> Everyone drops. Stop that. And then I'm thinking in my mind, if I'm Claudius, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do? And then they're thinking, he's doing nothing. Unbound him. He's still doing nothing. Hours go on. Did he, did he talk to anyone? Did he, call, did, he call, did he call the police? I'm thinking, now the tribune is like, Claudius is like, what's that about? I've never seen anything like that and i'm kind of taken to think i wonder if paul knew that that's the kind of effect he was having let me let me rewind the tape acts chapter 16 let me read you a similar story paul does the same thing Acts 16 verse 35 to 39 but when it was day the magistrate sent the police saying let's let go uh, let those men go so paul was jailed in prison with silas and beaten the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now, go in peace. But Paul said to them, no, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men, and we're Roman citizens. And you've thrown us out into prison. And do, and do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. And look, when they found out about the citizenship, they were afraid. 
because they heard they were, they were Roman citizens. So they ran back and they apologized. <laughs> oh, sorry. And then you know what we read after that? That's it. Paul seemingly lets them go with a sorry. Not, oh, you sorry. Oh, you're going to get it now. You see how this man thinks? He's not of this world. He's so not of this world. He's using his earthly status. Okay, I got Roman citizenship. Let's shine. Let's love our enemies. Let's pray for them. God's setting it up where I'm in such a circumstance where anyone else on the planet would take advantage of this and fight back. But Paul's in his mind. But our battle's not against flesh and blood. I saw the way Claudius was looking at me. I'm praying in my heart, Claudius, never forget this moment. Never forget that I had mercy on you, Claudius. He's, Jesus calls us to be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. To be fishers of men. Tell me not. Again, I don't know if Claudius comes to the faith, but I'm sure he's hooked. And we're going to see later as we read into the last verse, he goes from wanting to find out to desiring to know what's the real thing happening. Paul's witness is filled with wisdom. I mean, he could have, he could have used his rights to get at these guys and get them in trouble. I mean, they're afraid. He sees them trembling. And he doesn't. I have a question. You think Claudius will ever forget that day? You think he'll ever forget this case? Never. Why? Because he's never seen anything like it. Because Paul is not of this world. John 17, 11 and 14 through 16, it says this. I'm no longer in the world, says Jesus, but they are in the world. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the word, the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. But Lord, I do not ask that you take them out but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Christian child of God, listen. Listen, if you're going to be the fragrance and aroma, you are not of this world. That's wild to me. I have Hawaii pride. I'm glad to be a citizen of the United States of America. But ultimately, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's who I am. And I forget that. Have you forgotten that? Because if we forget that, we will not shine in these ways. We'll make everything about a political beef in this planet. We will fight the wrong fight the wrong way. We are not of this world. And Paul is fighting hard to save souls. I become all things to all men that I might save some. He's a fishers of men and he's hooking Claudius and the centurion and any other onlooker who's looking at this thing and I'm sure there's even Jews in that mob that were just leaving that day just like I don't know, there's something about Paul. There's something about what he said and the way he said it. He didn't have any anger or bitterness in his voice. You want to be that kind of man and woman in this life? Do you want to walk through this journey like we watched in Pilgrim's Progress? Sure, there will be people like obstinate and pliable who will be repelled. But then there are people like hopeful through Vanity Fair, 
And as they saw Paul's countrymen be burnt at the stake and the way that um, Christian, not Paul, Christian just carried himself and walked the straight and narrow, what came out of that? Hopeful. I just, you hooked me. Come on, think of your family. Think of your friends. Think of your coworkers who, if they perish tonight, that's it. Don't you want to live in such a way that you produce a thirst in their soul for more than this life? Don't you want to be a Christian that has their mind so fixed on the next? Your eyes are so set on your, as we sung, turn your eyes. Or I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. You keep your eyes, you keep your gaze so fixed that anyone around you in your vicinity, they look at you and they're like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Why are you, wait, what are you looking at? And then they see, and then they turn, and then they behold, and then they're taken, they're compelled, they're drawn, and they're saved. This is how it is. We are the aroma of Christ. We're the fragrance. Let your light so shine that they will see your good works, plural. Not a one-hit wonder. This is life, Tucker was saying. This is not Paul's first rodeo. This is how he lived. And there was something about Paul that was so compelling that we finish in verse 30. But on the next day, desiring to know. Okay, verse 24. Let's find out. Epigonosco. Let's just get the facts straight. But now verse 30. Bulomai. I will, I crave, I affectionately want to know the real reason of what all this is about. I want to know for real why he's being accused by the Jews. And so he unbound him and he commanded the chief priest and the council to meet. And he brought Paul down, set him before them. You see the growth right here in this curiosity. It just went from wanting to know the facts to now this word bulamai is an affectionate word. Because he's stunned by how this man talks, how he walks. And now Claudius could have just passed this case on and gone back to his vineyard or whatever. But now he's like, I got to know. And I'm going to sit in on this. I just, I just got to know. Last point to close. Real Christianity produces real curiosity. Again, we don't know if he came to faith, but oh, he's hooked. He's curious. Remember John the Baptist? Who is intrigued by John the Baptist? Herod, the one who beheaded him. He just enjoyed listening to him. But guys, John 6, says, no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. And the means in which God draws people is the church, is you. You're the light. Go shine. You're the salt of the earth. Go give, be salty. Philippians 2.15, shine like stars in a dark and wicked and depraved generation. Oh, I want to shine. And I, and I, and I, and I ache when I, when I lack it. When I get so consumed and hypnotized by this life and just, just get caught up in my own civilian affairs that I'm not concerned about my neighbors and my friends and you here. What made Paul and the Christian community so compelling? Was it their big buildings? Was it their flashy programs? Was it because Paul was clever and cool and, and likable and handsome and 
What really compelled people to Paul and the apostles and the church? They were simply devoted and deeply delighted in knowing Christ, making Christ known. That's all. Christ is all. And they were seriously in love with Jesus. And they seriously loved their neighbor. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, fellowship, and prayer. They preached the word. They prayed. They poured their lives out. Repeat. Preach, pray, pour. Preach, pray, pour. And they were so genuine and legit that people around them couldn't stop looking. Well, I don't know what that is. It is our prayer. It's my prayer. College students, I'll come back to you. It is my prayer. that When you go to campus, that when people look at you and your life and your choices and the things you say and do, that, oh, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, if you are this, if you are Christian, you will turn heads. Hearts will wonder. And perhaps by the grace of God, Others will be saved. Let us be the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. Guys, remember, it is who we are, not what we do. Don't go get Christian cologne and try to go and go through your week as if you think that's how it is. If you talk Christian-y, if you look it, you carry a bigger Bible. Those That's not what compels. You are it. Are you? That's the question. Are you a Christian? this evening do you know Christ have you beheld him in his glory do I need to remind you of Acts chapter 9 Paul being knocked on his horse seeing that light brighter than the noonday sun Paul Paul Saul Saul why are you persecuted and Christ doesn't judge him he saves him brothers sisters maybe pretend Christians who have yet to see and know Jesus. He's here and he calls that same call to you. Repent and trust in him. Place your faith in Christ and be salt, be light, be the aroma and the fragrance until he calls us home and comes to get us and may many others be compelled by our Christianity. This is our prayer. Live hard, poor for Christ this week. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we don't, we don't want to play church. Paul wasn't playing games. He wasn't playing political games. He wasn't trying to do a religious thing. He really was a Christian. He was so taken by Jesus Christ that he would say to live as Christ, to die as gain. Would you grant us this gift of faith? Would you help us now to have wisdom as we walk towards outsiders, with outsiders. We pray that by the grace of God, there would be others in our community. I think of our families, our friends, our workplaces, our neighborhoods. That people would catch a whiff of what you, what's going on in us. 
what's going on here in this gathering room, that people would wonder, that my brothers and sisters would get asked questions. Father, help us to let our light so shine that men would see our good works and then give glory to our Father in heaven. As we close in song, would you solidify these things in our hearts? But don't let these things just stay in our minds and in our hearts. Give us faith that we might walk in these things. Keep us abiding, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.